Alright guys, the final score is stepping outside of the box tonight. You know, we've all, we've done interviews with uh, basketball players, we've done football players, we've done baseball players, uh, sports collectors. We're stepping outside of the box. I'm going to go to a guy that I think is the expert on rock music right now. I mean, if you, you talk about the 80s hair bands, this guy knows it. You talk about the rock scene today, this guy knows it. And he has got his own podcast. He's the host of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. And this is a guy I go to, and I know I aggravate him. But this is a guy I go to when I have questions about something going on in the rock world. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Mitch LaFon. Welcome to the show, Mr. LaFon. Good day, but pleasure to be here. I'm I'm always happy to talk rock, and of course, when I'm not uh, rock talking, I guess since that's the name of the show, I uh, I follow sports uh, immensely. Now I have to say, uh, I am a Redskins fan, but because I've been sort of caught up in the NHL action, I haven't been following the uh, the training camps and stuff. But uh, once they hit the field, you, you know. End of August, beginning of September, and it gets we get down to the nitty gritty. I'll be there and I'll be on top of all the news. But well, uh, yeah, great to be here. By the way, it's probably a good thing you didn't follow training camp because one of your your starting linebacker the first day of uh, camp tore his ACL out for the year. I don't know if you know that or not. Yeah, I think I saw something Ruben, about that. Ruben Foster. And, yeah, yeah, I think I saw a, a quick uh, thing on that now. You know, listen, I, I'm up in Canada, so our sports coverage this these last months has been Raptors, 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 <laughs> Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs, and then hockey, hockey, hockey. So, so the football news. But you know what? Uh, this weekend, by the way, is the start of the Canadian Football League. So yeah, you know, can you, I haven't can really talked about Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, is that your team? Now, do you, do you follow the Alouettes much? Uh, yeah, I, I will admit to being a very fair weather fan i'm not a huge fan of the canadian game i don't like the three downs right uh i do like the larger field i have to say that the larger field makes for more exciting action because it's a lot more open and it makes the passing a little more exciting um and, and there's a couple of things i'd like to see brought to the american game like you know when you when you send a, a punt or whatever into the end zone and the American, you just sort of kneel in the end zone and that's it. That drives me crazy. I like the excitement <laughs> of having to run it out and having to make a play. And if you don't, you give up a point. Fine. Right. Um, that is, that is, that's pretty cool there, though. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. But, you know, then, of course, uh, the, the, the folks that run the league are going to say, well, player safety and blah, 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 and they're going to get hit and there's going to be concussions. So you can't, eh, you know, whatever. Now, but uh, what do you think yeah. about this uh, XFL, Vince McMahon's football league? Because there's a lot of uh, – we've been talking about it. I, I have two two actual shows I do and one I do with a, another guy. We've been talking about looking at some of these rules in the XFL, like the overtime rules. It's kind of like a hockey shootout. Uh, you got the offense for one team going against the defense on one side, and then, they, and then at the other end of the field you got the offense versus the defense when they go into overtime. They'll, they'll play it that way. There's actually 44 guys on the field at one time, and they're they're just going back and forth, kind of like a shootout. If you you know, if, I guess it'll go down to whoever gets the most points, whoever scores the most in that certain shoot, like a shootout period. It sounds kind of cool to me. I, I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, it sounds it, it sounds cool to me, but uh, but Vince tried this league what uh, 15 20 years ago and, and it was a disaster and uh then there was a what was the one that that came up and disappeared after eight that, weeks of american football the, a, whatever it was the called? aas the aas yeah so honestly i just don't think you can compete with the nfl and i don't i don't think regardless of what rules you put in i mean how many leagues have we seen go by the wayside the usfl the, the aa blah blah the CFL, remember when the CFL had a team in um, Las Vegas yes. and in, where was the other team, Birmingham? No, Baltimore? I think. You, you just can't, you can't, you can't compete. The NFL is the, 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 the only game in town and always will be. You remember the World Football League back in the 70s? 
Well, I remember the um, what was the, the there was a World Football League the that had the Montreal Machine and had the uh, the, the 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 Rhine Fire. What was that one? That the, was uh, that was oh gosh, that was kind of like the uh, NFL Feeder League. Yeah, the Europe Europe League, NFL Europe. That's what it was because it was like it was just pretty much like a triple A. AAA, a base triple a baseball for football is what it was that were the ride fire we actually had a team in my area it was a raleigh durham uh i think it was the skyhawks uh that was in the early 90s i believe that was what it was and uh you don't really didn't really see many come out of that league uh and i do remember i was a big football card collector back then and they had like a set i believe i still have the the uh, NFL Europe, it, it, they had another, it was a World League, and I don't know if it was the World Football League. Yeah, or I not. have it. I looked it up. It's the World League of American Football, and you're, you're right. You had the Raleigh Durham Skyhawks, the Sacramento Surge, Amsterdam Admirals, Barcelona Dragons, et cetera, et cetera. Frankfurt Galaxy. Yeah, that, that was good league, man. I had season tickets. It was fun. It was fun to have a team in Raleigh. It was, you know, have a local team because the closest. I don't know. It, we're kind of in the middle between Washington and Charlotte. Charlotte would probably be a little bit closer to us, but not not by much. I've actually, like I said, my mom's a diehard Redskins fan. A few years back, uh, I think it was on her bucket list to go to uh, go see a Redskins home game, and I took her. And uh, to see the look on her face when she stepped out into the and, and could see the actual inside the stadium. It, it made it all worthwhile. She, she has just loved the Redskins for many years, and uh, it, it was great. It was great to go to a Redskins game, even though I'm a Steelers Red, fan. Yeah, Redskins, Redskins are on my bucket list, too, actually, quite frankly. But, yeah, uh, actually, I, I haven't been. I've seen a lot of games in Washington, uh, you know, the, the Bullets back in the time the before they became the Wizards, and yeah. uh, I saw a Capitals game, but I have not seen – a um, a Redskins game ever. The guy that helps me on one of my shows actually put in for Redskins season tickets when he was a senior in high school, and ended up getting them. Twelve years later, they called him and told him, "You've got season tickets." So he's got season tickets to the Redskins games now. And I'm like, he goes, he said, "Well, I'm gonna." Go. He lives in New York. He said, "Well, I'll probably go to two games this year." I'm like, dude, you don't know. <laughs> You're wasting those tickets. Anyway, all right, so I have to ask you now, you, were you pulling for St. Louis or Boston in the in the Stanley Cup? Oh, easily St. Louis. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I have a whole bunch of St. Louis blue shirts, and if you look back on some of my pictures with yeah. some of the rock stars, you'll see me wearing them. And, and I was wearing one today, and people are like, oh, you you jumped on the bandwagon. You're a fan. No. Like I've had these shirts for for four or five years now. I mean, mind you, I, I bought them for two reasons. A, I like the logo, and I like the fact that they're they're blue. And anyway, but no, uh, St. Louis is is I have an affinity for underdogs every year. Last year, I thought it was great that Las Vegas, uh, the Golden Knights yeah. were there, and I was like, yeah, have them win. And and Boston has won before. I'm a Montreal fan, so I just I can't root for the Bruins. I uh, just can't do it. So. St. Louis was the was the option, and the fact that they had never won a Stanley Cup in their existence, it made it kind of exciting and kind of compelling. Let's not forget that going into January, they were at the bottom of the league, almost dead last, yeah. if not dead last. And then they they fire a coach, and suddenly they start winning. And what I found amusing is the interviews going into the series with the Bruins, they would talk to Berube, the coach, and they'd say, and we have an interim head coach with us. And I'm like, interim? <laughs> For Christ's sakes, he got to do a Stanley Cup. If he's not the head him a, Yeah, like, just give him a bloody contract. I mean, he, he took you from last to first or last to, to, a, to a cup final. Like, just... Tell the media it's okay to call him head coach because we're pretty sure we're going to hire him for next year. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I would think so. I would think that uh, winning a Stanley Cup would automatically get the interim off of uh, off of your title. Or, then. or just getting to the Cup should have. I mean, oh, just, yeah. the whole series, yeah. even last night, even last night during the Stanley Cup final, they're like, interim head coach. I'm like, no. 
No. <laughs> Make him head coach. Come on. Yeah, and I I told you before we went on there, I don't follow hockey that much. I follow the Hurricanes, and, you know, of course, the Hurricanes were one of those teams that kind of like the Blues had a a turnaround season at at the end of the year, just got hot at the right time and uh, made it, unfortunately, ran into the Boston Bruins, and and like I said, that was ugly. But uh, hopefully, maybe the Hurricanes can, can keep that momentum going for next year. Well, I got to say two things on that. First of all, the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets, which I do like. I have shirts from both teams, actually. They kept my Montreal Canadiens out of the finals, and the Canadiens had gotten hot. I mean, they won like seven of the last ten or something. But both those teams, the Blue Jackets, Columbus, and, and the Hurricanes, just got hotter. So that it was a little frustrating knowing that we weren't going to make the playoffs, despite the fact that we were playing some of the best hockey in the last month in the entire league, right. and but just not not good enough. And uh, the other thing I'll say is I'm glad that both those teams got in because you need a changing of the guard. Every year when you go there and you see, oh, it's the Rangers and the Maple Leafs, and the, you just go, oh, stop it. Give, give me some fresh blood. So it was exciting to see the Golden Knights last year. It was exciting to see... Uh, Columbus get past the second round. It was exciting to see the Hurricanes get get past the round, and hopefully the NHL will rejig their playoff format so that we don't have these weird seedings where every year in the first round it's Toronto versus Boston, every yeah. year in the first round it's Pittsburgh versus Columbus. It's like, yeah, all right, uh, stop it now. You know, do an east west east west split where the top eight from the east make it and the top eight from the west make it. I can, I understand you can't do top 16 of the entire league because, right. you know, if Montreal plays uh, L.A. in the first round, well, just the flights alone are, gonna, are just going to burn both exactly. teams. So you can't do that. So I get you can't do that, but you can do a lot better than, oh, hey, look, it's Toronto and Boston <laughs> for the eighth season in a row. This is so not exciting. Stop <laughs> it. You know, you know. Yeah, I understand that. It's... it's... A lot of a lot of things with uh, with all of the sports organizations now that are, you know, that I call into question a lot with playoff formats on some of these things. Uh, the NFLs, I think they've got it got it down, but like college football and uh, college football still has a ways to go. I, I'm glad they got the playoff system now, but you know, I think they need to expand it a little bit more because there's some teams out there that didn't, don't get a shot to deserve one. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe. Well, we- Go ahead. So I just sort of cut you off, but NFL needs to expand. I mean, six, you're looking at 12 teams in a 32-team league, so you've got 20 teams that are sitting around after playing the season. I'm sorry, but that, that's not enough, you know. So you think they should do half? Maybe half is too much because then the season doesn't really doesn't mean anything. Right. Like everybody gets in, that doesn't mean anything. But it should at least be eight teams in, in both, and maybe – Maybe the top two get a buy or whatever it is so that the numbers work out. But I think if we go to 16, well, yeah, you just said half, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah half. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry, my math was a little. I don't do math. <laughs> yeah, 16, math I think that would work. You know, 16, it would still make, you know, make it worthwhile and make it meaningful. Uh, but I, I'm like, you get eight from each, from each, uh, from the AFC and the NFC, and I still, I think you could, could have a good playoff system. You really would, and I know folks are going to hate when I say this, but the the whole division leader stuff gets in. Stop that! I mean, we've had division leaders that are eight and eight getting in over teams that are ten and six, and it's just like, no, stop that! Let's just go to a conference model. In fact, all playoffs should just be a conference model where your top six, your top ten, your top twelve, whatever, get in. And let's just go with that. One plays eight, two plays seven. Because you want your champion to be the best of the best. You don't want your champion to have, oh, hey, we we got in, but our opposition was an eight and eight team when the 10 and six teams were sent home. It's like, well, but come on, stop. Do you you remember the 82 season, the strike shortened year, and they didn't have, they didn't call it a playoff. They called it a tournament. And they did pretty much what you said right then. Uh, they they took uh, I believe it was eight from each the eight, eight best records from each division, 
Well, the AFC and the NFC took the eight best teams and put them in a tournament, just like that. And I, I enjoyed that. I mean, I know it was a strike-shortened season, but I enjoyed that. And actually, that was the year the Redskins won the Super Bowl, so you probably enjoyed that too. But it, and it in, yep. inevitably it came down to you know you had the Cowboys and the Redskins in the NFC Championship game, which I think were the top two teams that year in the NFC, and and, and they played at RFK. So I mean, I think that was there was nothing wrong with that format. Nothing at all, and that is the game that made me a Redskins fan because I happened to have been uh, a young a young buck at the time, and I was uh, uh, my mom had gone on a um, not a field trip, but on my uh, a business trip. Right. So field trips are fun too. Uh, no, she had gone on a business trip and had taken me along because she couldn't just leave me sitting at home. So I I, I actually got to watch the game. At the Watergate Hotel in Washington. Wow! So you're you're in this sort of historic hotel for for all the wrong reasons, uh, <laughs> watching an NFL game, and then the team wins and the city explodes. And, and so when you're in a championship city, whether it's basketball or football or hockey, and that te- there's an excitement that's going to rub off on you. And so that's what made me a Redskins fan. I had been a Steelers fan through the '70s. Uh, and then, hey, Terry Bradshaw and, and yeah. Swan, and God bless them, they're great players, but that moment of being in a championship city with the cars honking and the people shouting, and it, it changes you, man. That, yeah. that, that made me a Redskins fan. And of course, through the 80s, early 90s, the Redskins were a decent team, a winning team. And then yeah, Dan Schneider <laughs> bought it. Yeah, you know uh, Jack Ken Cook passed away, and, and Schneider took over, and he has really done his best to wreak havoc with the the tradition and with the team, and awful, just awful. Yeah, I I I, I just look at him, and he's you know I look at Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones came in before Schneider, and Schneider wanted to be Jerry Jones, but he's. He's he's done a good job as Jerry Jones as far as putting his nose into everything, but he hasn't had the wins like Jerry Jones had. He didn't have that that team like Jerry Jones had in the '90s with Emmitt Smith, Michael Irvin, and Troy Aikman and them. Uh, and it's sad. It's sad that they've got away from that tradition because you know I just remember watching, and I kind of and I really do miss it. Uh, I, I'm a sports nut. I love watching all sports, but. You know, I miss the days when CBS uh, on Sunday afternoons with uh, Pat Summerall and John Madden. Uh, you watch the Red, and, and back in the '80s and early '90s, it was pretty much the Redskins. Red, and around here, it was the Redskins all the time. But you know, you just love watching, especially when they played the Cowboys. That rivalry back then was so great, and and to see them, I just remember a game. I think it was in '83 at Texas Stadium. Uh, the Redskins just poured it on. I think they lost early in the year to the Cowboys. This was after they were the defending champions. They poured it on at Texas Stadium, and you were everybody remembers the fun bunch. And uh, they were in the end zone getting ready to do the fun bunch, the little high five. And the Cowboys tried to get in the middle of it, and they still did it. Now, you know, like I said, my mom is a Redskins fan, so I'll pull for the Redskins to get unless they're playing the Steelers. That right there really made me dislike the Cowboys more than anything. I was like, "Why are they trying to trying to stop something like that?" I know they're embarrassed, but you know, it was. But it, it was some great memories of the Redskins for me back then. I have a lot of good memories with the Redskins. Yeah, and and the Cowboys are are embarrassing. We we agree. So are the Giants. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I I when I talk sports, I'll I'll, I'll always. I always pick against the Toronto teams, for example, and I had some guy write me a very angry email the other day and said, you come to Toronto for all the shows and blah, 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 and we never hear you bitching about that, but if you don't like the city, stay the fuck out. And, and it's just like, dude, it, it's, it's, that's what sports is. It's about exactly. busting balls. So, so when I say stuff about the Cowboys or I say stuff about the Giants, it's busting balls. It is not, I hate New York. It is not, I hate Dallas. It is not, I hate you, the fan. So it's just funny. But but having said that, holy Christ, the Cowboys suck. Oh. <laughs> you know, and if, everybody, if everybody, nobody busts your balls, it wouldn't be half as fun. 
You know, that's just and that's like the whole thing. Exactly. That, that's the whole thing. That, there's, there's a great joy to sitting in a room with a Cowboys fan and watch the Redskins beat them. Then you can jump all over them and say, ha ha. And of course, when you lose, ugh, you got to sort of get under the blankets and go, oh, Christ, here it is. It's coming. Just take it like a man. It'll be over soon until the next game. And, yeah. you know, you just hope that we don't lose the two games in the regular season because then it's just, it's torture. Yeah. But anyway, I just, I just thought it was funny because. As a Montrealer, I just can't root for Toronto teams. I could care less about the Raptors. I hope they lose. I hope the Maple Leafs lose. I hope the Argonauts lose. Anything about Toronto sports, just lose. That <laughs> doesn't mean I hate the city. It doesn't exactly. mean I hate the people. That's Stop ridiculous. It. I mean, people, people get like, too too butthurt these days about different things. Oh, my it's, God. It's ridiculous. Oh, it, it you should have seen this email. It was, it was full of anger. and Maybe you should never come back to the city again. It's like, no, no, no. Okay, maybe I shouldn't. Stop it. Okay. You know, go Golden State. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about your stuff, your your expertise, so music. Now, like I said on the intro, if if I have and I and I used to, you know, with with sports and music back in the day, and maybe I don't know if you picked the, I'm sure you did before the internet. Every month, I look forward to magazines, uh, Circus and Hit Parader. I would pick them up and read them cover to cover. Uh, I, re- I used to love to read the liner notes of, of, of the you, people remember CDs and tapes and vinyl records. Uh, and I would try to get, learn as much as I could. What got you started into music? Wow, that's a good question. Uh, in general, listen, uh I lived in, in basically the country, yeah. so there was no buses, there was no hustle and bustle, there was no 7-Eleven, there, there was nothing except crickets and raccoons and, and and all that stuff, so there was a record player in the house, and I would see these records, and of course my parents had a lot of Beethoven and a lot of ABBA and a lot of, you know, just, but I played them, you know, I had an appreciation for Beethoven's fifth because... Remember, back in the 70s, there wasn't 5,000 channels on TV, and you didn't have anything in your pocket that you could watch a movie on, you know? So so that was it. That was the entertainment. And uh, then one day, my uh, my brother borrowed some Kiss records, um, Love Gun in particular, and I looked at the cover sort of sitting there propped up against the uh, the record player, you know, the, the, the whole stereo system, and I was like, hmm. Then I, I, I pulled it open, and I saw the Kiss logo with the blood, and I went, oh. <laughs> All right. And I don't remember my exact thoughts, but I'm sure they were something like, what the f- is this? <laughs> and I put it on and, and, and it, it drew me in. And then he started borrowing uh double platinum and he started borrowing some cheap trick and some early Aerosmith. I remember live, um, live bootleg lying around. And and I just started listening to those things, and I just liked the, my ears just liked it. Now again, this is pre-MTV, pre-much yeah. music, pre-Shazam, and and Spotify. So you, you didn't have a lot to compare it to. It wasn't like I had ten thousand songs on my fingertips. So my ears grew to like those sounds from those bands, and then. You know, I, I moved off of that, and, and in the early 80s, I sort of got tired with the with, with the, the stuff, and Cheap Tricks album had become a little less interesting, and they lost Tom Peterson and Kiss, and The Elder was a, was a disaster, so I, I turned to early Brian Adams and, and Huey Lewis, and, and uh, what was that album by uh, Rod Stewart, or Camouflage, and so I, I turned into sort of more melodic rock, and then... Bon Jovi hit with You Give Love a Bad Name, and I just remember I saw that video, and I said, holy fuck, what is yeah. that? I need to buy that. And then we literally drove to the mall and bought the cassette same day or next day. It was on sale for like five ninety nine. you know, buy the new Bon Jovi, and, and that was it. And then from Bon Jovi was the Def Leppard and the Poison and the Cinderella and the this and the that, and so it, it it really came out from a sense of, of boredom and isolation, like like a lot of us who who just sat around going, there's nothing to do. Fuck yeah. my God, it's raining outside, it's snowing outside. What am I going to do? Oh, okay, I'll listen to some music. I mean, that's that's, and I think that's why 
our generation or my generation in particular, you know, the over 40s have such an attachment to music because it wasn't just something that played in the background. It was a life force. It was a life-saving force. It, it was it was your everything for a lot of people. Because, you know, not everybody lives in a big city. Not everybody has a million things to do. There's a lot of us that just sat around and go, well, what am I going to do until, you know, tomorrow comes? All right, yeah. I'll listen to this album. It's, it's and, funny. Well, the album finishes. You go, well, all right, I'll listen to it again. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. All right, I'll listen to it again. I live in a I live in a town. I, I moved back to the town I grew up in because I, I love it so much. But this town is like, I think we have maybe between ninety to one hundred and ten people in this town. And like you said, there's there's no hustle and bustle here. And I was pretty much the same way you are. You know, I can remember my cousin playing Destroyer for me. And like you said, just seeing the album cover, you were like, and I, I was probably like five or six years old, and seeing the album cover, I was like, okay. Wow. And then hearing it, especially, I think God of Thunder really hit me. And I was like, wow. And I was hooked, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, you know, they've had, like you said, they had their tough times with the elder and, you know, so so forth. But, you know, I've been a kiss diehard since I was five years old. Uh, even to the mm -hmm. fact, I wish, I wish I hadn't done this, but playing alive, too on the record player, and I got the bright idea. I don't know if you've seen, and I'm sure you have, the white plastic toy guitar that came out in the 70s. The Kiss guitar. Yeah. yeah I had one yeah. of those. I decided it was going to be a, a great idea to put a smoke bomb in it and, and do the guitar solo while playing it live too. There's a guitar solo on there. Yeah. It ended up with a big old hunk of melted plastic. I was like, wow, how stupid was I? But, you know, it was just something to do. Like you said, you were looking for something to do. But And, and seeing and the memories of Kiss in the past, <clears throat> yeah, I know I'm going on and on, but, you know, you get, it seemed like every year for Easter, that was my present, was the, the latest Kiss album. I've got pictures of me holding The Elder. Yeah, I do. And I have pictures really? of me holding, like, Unmasked, stuff like that. But that would seem to be every year that was my Easter present for a long time. You know, and it's funny, a lot of people say that what counts in music is the music. And it, it has its place, but it really isn't the most... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, I was judging a competition the other day uh, at a local uh, venue. They're having a battle of the bands to come play the summer festival up here called Heavy Montreal. And this one band showed up essentially in their street clothes, looking like, you know, the plumber, the the, oh, the, the car mechanic. And, and when I criticized them, because it was sort of like an American Idol kind of panel, you know, I'm like, if you're going to be a rock star, you got to look like a rock star. And they're like, oh, dude, it's all about the music. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Uh, if you look at Judas Priest, if you look at uh, Madonna, if you look at U2, if you look, they all have a look. Regardless of whether the look is makeup or shoes or sequins, there's a look. And as you and I can both state, when we saw the album covers, we didn't hear the music. No. We saw the look. You saw the look. And that's what drew us in. And, and folks sometimes seem to forget that, that music is also very visual. It's not just for the ears. It's for the eyes, too. And if you look like a band and sound like a band and play like a band, you're a band. But if you just play your guitar and you look like you've just changed my oil at Walmart, <laughs> you're not. You're just not. You know? and, and people say, well, look at grunge. Guess what? Look at all the grunge bands. Put them all side by side. They had a look. Guess what? They all had a look. It was all the same fucking look. So there's a look. Yep, definitely. Now, I've heard this story, and I've seen your, your post on Facebook. Tell me, you, your first, am I right about this? First interview you ever did. With Gene Simmons, and how old were you? The uh, the Gene Simmons interview, I was uh, eleven years old. My first one. Wow! And that it was actually June ninth of nineteen eighty. So um, we are celebrating uh, what's what's that mess? Thirty nine years. Holy yeah, yeah we're celebrating thirty nine years of that interview. Wow, that that's pretty impressive. That eleven year old getting interviewed, Gene Simmons. At that time, I was seven years old, so I would have been like, "Oh, 
How 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 did that go though? How did that, how did that come about? Uh, it came about like all my interviews now come about. I I was um, I had a, I had a great wherewithal. First of all, when I was eleven years old, I had been tagged as having a university level English language, so I was very good at speaking. So when you when you spoke to me on the phone, uh, I sounded like an adult. So I pulled out, I'm trying to think, I think it was Dynasty, and on the back it said O-Coin Management. And, of course, back in the day, if you wanted a phone number, you would dial 555, you know, the area code, you know, 212-555-1212, and say, hey, I'd like the number for O-Coin Management, which is exactly what I did. And the operator gave me the number, and I phoned the number. And, of course, this is after Dynasty, before Unmasked comes out, the band is in disarray in terms of coverage. People don't really care anymore. It's sort of over. It, it was striking while the iron was hot in terms of them being unpopular, if you want. And I said, hey, I really would like to set up an interview for uh, Canadian Broadcasting, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and they went, sure. I mean, that's it. that was it. <laughs> I mean, it was a very different age. Now, if you want an interview, you have to talk to the publicist and the publicist right. assistant and you've got to hop through this hoop and that hoop and can you send me uh, a detailed plan of the intended coverage, and it's just like, holy fuck, do I want me to talk to your band or don't you? If, if you do, let's set it up, and if you don't, piss off. But but that wasn't it. Back then it was, like, hey, I'd like to talk to your band. And I went, okay. <laughs> and I was like, huh. Now, and then I had to convince my mom, and I said, listen, I have an interview with Kiss. And she went, you sure you do. Right. I said, no, no, I have an interview with Kiss set up in uh, New York City. And they went, what? Uh, she went, what? And... Um, she said, okay, well, we'll go, and we did, and I got to meet Gene without the makeup over at O'Coin Management, and on my Facebook and on my Twitter, which is at Mitch Lafon, on June 9th this year, I put a, right. I put the old Polaroid picture, now it's, it's completely faded and stuff, you can't really see it, though, you can sort of make out where it says O'Coin, and I got to interview him, did and you can go to YouTube, and you can check out... Uh, God, Mitch Lafon, Gene Simmons, nineteen eighty interview or something like that. Oh, so it is on and YouTube. I didn't know that. I, I have to definitely check that out. Oh yeah, you can hear it, and uh, you hear my little voice, and <laughs> I'm asking very normal questions. I'm not. I, I, I don't sound like an like an eleven year old in terms of the language spoken. It's very on point, and I got some good answers and. And Gene tries to throw me a couple of curveballs, you know, and says, well, blah, blah, Santa Claus. And I go, yeah, all right. And what about wearing shoes? And I go, yeah, all right. And um, it's a good little conversation. And that conversation gave me a little bit of reputation. You know, I remember meeting Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns the first time. And I said, hey, I miss the fall of blood. And, uh, you know, 20 minutes of the conversation, he goes, he goes wait a minute. Are you the guy that interviewed Gene when you were 11? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, and so that led to other stuff that led to other stuff that led to me doing uh, eventually my own show that I control and that I program and that I host. And, you know, it, 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 it really has had a nice longevity for me, quite frankly. Yeah, it, it has. I can remember... Uh, the first time, and actually I bring up stuff from the past, the first time I actually heard you was when you were one of the co-hosts of Three Sides of the Coin. I used to watch that, and granted I have not really paid much attention since you left. That's another story, but we won't go there. But, uh, you know, and then I just... I by, probably, by the way, and I, and I don't mean to be an ass, but a, a lot of people, when they talk to me, say... I used to know. I used to watch three sides. There's a lot of used to. There's not a lot of. I still watch. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 I'm just I, gonna get my little. That's a snarky little dig, but you know. Too bad. I, I, Can I swear to you, by the way? Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. And by the way, that, that's a good little. Yeah, that's fine with me. Uh, like I said, I used to watch it, and no, no offense to to some of them there, but you know, I used to watch it. Uh, did I hit? Now I don't know if this is right or not. Were you actually? Were you at the first concert Eric Carr played? I was. Uh, July 25th, 1980. We uh, we did the interview with Gene in June, and he had mentioned, uh, I'm trying to think, he, he mentioned it off, 
off the air, off the air, because I don't think it's in the interview, but he said, hey, we're, there's a show coming up, yada, yada. And we hemmed and hawed, uh, my mom and I, and I convinced her to go, and we ended up having to buy tickets from a scalper for like 30 bucks, and I just remember the look on my mom's face. I mean, $30 for a ticket in 1980 was, was highway robbery, yeah. you know, it, it was like, because I think that I think the actual ticket price was like seven fifty or eight bucks or I, I mean I I don't remember exactly but it was it was definitely like under ten bucks kind of thing. Right. And uh, we we spent this money on these tickets and 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 she gave me the you better you know whatever it was uh, enjoy this or you you better be nice or you better not give me any hassle or whatever. Anyway, I was just like yeah 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 whatever. And we went and we were. Dead center row T. So what? What is that? Like twenty some rows back. Yeah, absolutely dead center, and it it was spectacular. Uh, you know, I I remember the the visual very clearly of the band uh, on that small stage and in those things and 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 being fixated on Eric and and it, it was great. You know, and, and every every July 25th, as I will this year, I will on my Facebook and on my Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, and on my Instagram, I will post a picture of the ticket that, that, that I went with it, and it's the actual ticket. It's not something that I Googled image. It is a picture that I took of my ticket, and I will repost it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's great, and, and it's just funny because I had a sense very clearly that when that show took place, and I remember saying, Mom, it's going to be the first show with the new drummer. It's going to be something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And, and of course, we, we say that about so many things, you know, oh, my, my PlayStation or my Xbox or my ColecoVision or my whatever. And then, of course, time fades away. But this sort of has grown in myth and mystique over the years. And it's like, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Damn straight. The, the raw cats opened up. You know, you know, you know I, anyway. that was my favorite. He was my favorite member, and I, I, I love the original four. I love Ace, but he was my favorite member of Kiss. And uh, you know, just something I can remember hearing Creatures for the first time and hearing that drum sound, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's freaking awesome. Because they really didn't on the Elder. That was just a whole different story. But when they went back to the rock and and let him play, those drums on Creatures were just freaking awesome. Oh, oh, they were, and and I remember after. Well, I remember the disappointment of putting the elder on for the first time and thinking, <laughs> "What the fuck is crap?" But when they came back with Creatures of the Night, I was like, "Oh my god, they're back!" I mean, I I happen to like Unmasked because I, I interviewed Gene for Unmasked, and he had given me a promo copy that I still have, and so. Uh, the experience of that album is beyond the album. It's beyond the music. It's about the whole interview and the, and the fact that the copy that I got to listen to was a promo copy handed to me by Gene Simmons when I was 11 years old. So you, you can tell me the un unmasked sucks all you want. It's like, you know, not, not in my, not in my world. It doesn't, That's right. but, uh, but listen, it, it was very poppy. And then, and then the elder was just brutally awful. Um, and I still don't like that album. You know, I, I don't, I don't, it's not one of my favorites, but I don't dislike it as much as I used to. I just kept waiting for it. You know, when I first got, when I first got the album, you know, and I was, you know, music from the elder and I was like, huh. I said, well, when is the movie coming out? You know, cause I, I was just, I just kept waiting for the movie and you know, you didn't have the internet back then. So you were like, you know, when's the movie, when's the elder movie coming out? But you know, never, never, never made it. To, to the light of day, I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that seems to be a, a path that they have. I remember back, like, in 2013, they had the uh, the history of Kiss movie that was done by Alan Parker yeah. Jr. Or something, and that's never come out. And But, you know, to be fair, a lot of bands have projects, and then the projects don't happen for whatever reason. There's no financing. There's no interest. There's no... There's no time. There's no, you know. Do you do you yeah. think now, with the end of the road tour on, uh, do you think Ace and Peter will ever make an appearance there? Um, 
I'm pretty convinced that Peter will not. Right. Uh, and I don't think it's anything to do with animosity. I think Peter just is very happily retired. I have um, contacted Peter through uh, through texts, and I've asked about interviews and stuff. And, and uh, well, Gigi answers actually been very gracious, and it's just like you know he's out of the biz. So I, I don't think we see Peter come back. I was very hopeful that Ace was going to come back for guest appearances, not come back for good. I, I, Tommy earned his spot, but the more I see Ace talk in the media and the more I, I read the clickbait headlines and the more I see all this, it's just like, dude, you're just shooting yourself in the foot day after day after day after day. I mean, if you want to be back in the band, you've got to be more gracious. You've got to be more diplomatic, not... Hey, you can't sell Madison Square Garden if I'm not there. Hey, the fans, well, it's like, dude, that, that uh, you know, trying to fight your way in is not going to get you in. Especially with Gene and So, Paul. yeah, so uh, I think that when we get to the final, final, final show, which I'm expecting will be at Madison Square Garden, uh, sort of, you know, we're going to end it where we started or we're going to end it in our hometown arena or whatever. I think when we get to that, uh, Ace will come out and probably jam on a rock and roll all night. But I, I just don't see him anywhere near the tour until the very last day and probably the very last song because he's just talked himself out of it. Yeah. He's just said some incredibly silly things. Yeah, he has definitely done that. Uh, do you think, and I mean, I know this is your bread and butter, a lot of these, especially Gene, Gene said it before, is rock music dead? No, I don't think rock music is dead. I, I think rock music has reached that point of being like jazz music. You know, if you look back in the 20s and 30s, there was the jazz age, and everything was jazz, 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 and... You know, then there was big bands, and then there was rockabilly, and then there was the blues, and there was all these other musical things that took over, and, and the Beatles, and the Stones, and the Elvis, and the Led Zeppelins, and that all took over. But jazz was always there in the background, and now, you know, there's the Montreal Jazz Festival, and there's the New Orleans Jazz Festival, and there's this Jazz Festival. I, I think rock, or at least the rock that we know and like, is sort of the new jazz. It'll always be there. And if you look at the, 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 the touring schedule every year, your journeys are out there, your foreigners are out there, your white snakes, your kisses. So, so there's a great resurgence in all those sort of older rock bands. And, and in the next five to ten years when they start dropping off, and they will, you know, the Stones can't tour until no. they're 100. No. So, so we are in that twilight, but I think eventually instead of having, or not just having, like, the Montreal Jazz Festival, I think we'll have the Montreal Jazz Festival, and then we'll have the, the Blues Festival, and then we'll have the Rock Festival. And I think the music will exist, but just... So, I mean, I think the question, or, or what Gene was saying, is that is rock commercially viable like it was in the 1980s? No. no. Um, will it always exist? Yes, of course it'll always exist. It just won't exist like it did in 1986. Just like jazz doesn't exist like it did in 1927. So, you know, but no, no music, no music will ever die. No music is extinct. I mean, you know, people still play Beethoven. Yep. And, and, and classical music certainly died 500 years ago. And, or, or you know, the scene, stuff doesn't die. It just morphs and it just becomes different. Yeah, uh and I'm actually talking about resurgence, and I think I mentioned to you, actually going to see Striper is coming to a, a local theater about 30. Usually if I go to a concert, it has to be at least an hour and a half away, but there's a little theater that's about 30 minutes away, and, and a couple months ago they announced Striper was coming, and I, I jumped right on the ticket. So, you know, hopefully I'm going to see a good show. I'm, I'm sure I will. I've been watching the set list. Kind of, you know, they're kind of getting away from some of their bigger hits on this tour, but, you know, I, I did see there was a Kiss cover song they've been playing, and I hope I'll see a good show Saturday night with Striper. I'm sure I will. Yeah, and they've also been doing a Firehouse cover. They've been doing All yeah. She Wrote. Yeah, All She Wrote. Uh, they did a Judas Priest uh, Judas Priest cover. Uh, yeah. It, it, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, 
just just to have a hairband come around close to this area, an older hairband, I guess I could say now. But it's great, and I hope it's a sign of things to come for that theater now. Uh, Got to talk about, this is one of my favorite guys in music, probably one of the hardest working guys in music. And I can remember seeing him first with Dokken, but Jeff Pilson, what, is, is he not? A, I know you've had some interviews with him you're, uh, a couple of times, a few times. Is he not a great guy or what? Well, you're 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 preaching to the choir. I'm <laughs> friends with Jeff, and and he's even worn my Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon shirt in um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, meet and greet photos. There's a, there's a, if you go to the the Foreigner Archiver where they have the meet and greet photos, you see Jeff wearing my shirt and a few of them, which uh, is kind of cute. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, and of course, you know, I'm going to throw in a gratuitous plug. If you want your own. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon shirt because they are available. I've actually you head got over one to Loud. It. Yeah, you got to head over to loudtracks, T R A X dot com forward slash Mitch. Uh, the pricing that you'll see there is in Canadian, so one shirt is 20 bucks. So in American, you're taking off 30%, so it's like 12 bucks or 13 bucks for, for, for somebody in the States. And, uh, it is uh, the shirts are made by Global Merchandising. They handle all the official merch for Iron Maiden, for Judas Priest, for ACDC, for all the all the big bands. So the, the the shirt quality is absolutely where it needs to be. And the logo was designed by Claudio Bergman, who designed the Judas Priest Firepower album cover. So wow. it's a cool logo. It's a great quality shirt. It's not this fly by night bootleggy cheapy cheapy crap. <laughs> it's official merch done with an official logo or a professional. It's it's great. So anyway, um, yeah. So that that said, uh, Jeff is just a sweetheart. I mean, whatever you need, Jeff is there. He's always been exceptionally accommodating. Uh, having me out to shows, he's always been exceptionally accommodating uh, with interview requests and. You know, every so often, I'll get a request from a from a a, a band guy, or you know, they'll say, "Hey, uh, I need to get in contact with Nick Jones, or I need to get in contact with this. Can you help me out?" And I'll send it over to Jeff and say, "Listen, so and so from whatever band or from whatever management company needs to get a message. Can can you help out?" And he he's just always he, he, you can't be nicer and. And he's a multi instrumentalist. I mean, yeah. he can play bass. He can play guitar. He can he can do keyboards. He can he can work a board. He can produce. He can mix. He can master. I mean, uh, you know, he, he's a nice guy who, who's a jack of all trades, and you, you can't complain with Jeff. So yeah, I, I've had a personal friendship with him for for many many years. I'm trying to think, sometime back in um, hmm, it must have been uh, two thousand. Two, he had a, what was that band called? Underground Moon, I think the band, something like that. And they had a, a, a press release day in uh, Los Angeles, and he invited me out to it and took care of stuff. And, you know, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff's a sweetheart. Yeah, you know, you got to gotta love Jeff. He's, he's the same one in Dawkins. Yeah, I, yeah, he definitely, definitely is. I, I was going to ask, do we ever see a full-fledged docking reunion again? I know they're talking. I know Mick Brown is kind of. I think he's staying away. I don't know if Jeff is in or not. I did hear George Lynch was out now because of a some kind of. I don't know if he was sick or what. But is is there a docking reunion in the future? Um, at this point, I don't think so. They they were supposed to all play together at M three. Uh, in the beginning of May, uh, you know, Mick and uh, and uh, George, but George got sick, and, and he didn't just skip out on that show. He canceled, like, three or four shows, uh, basically an entire week of shows that he canceled. So it didn't happen, and I guess because George wasn't going to be there, Mick didn't show up, and Mick, Mick, if you've been following, hasn't played any shows really with the band in uh, 2019, from what I understand, he has an injury that he's dealing with and can't really play at a level of a rock drummer. And he announced the other day that he's retired, and I sent him an email, and I said, hey, do you want to do an interview? 
And he said, no, man, I'm retired. Okay. So uh, I think I think we're done. I, I think, uh, you know, and, and Foreigner is wrapping up. Um, they haven't announced a farewell tour or anything like that, so I don't want to mislead anybody. Right. But, you know, Nick, Nick Jones isn't 15. No. Uh, no. So I, I don't know if the band has decided to continue as Foreigner after Nick steps away, but I, I think we're down to our last three to five years of, of Nick Jones touring, which potentially could mean we're down to our last three to five years of uh, Foreigner. You know, maybe I'm not making any decisions. The bands will the bands will announce what the band needs to announce. But uh, the the point being is, I think they're just trying to get in a lot of foreigner work before that happens. Right. And so I just don't think Jeff will be available now. Again, this is all niche opinion. Right. None of it is based on fact. None of it is based. This is what I feel is happening. And, you know, Jeff and Nick and Foreigner and management and all that, they will give you official news when there's official news. I'm just sharing opinion. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. I didn't think Foreigner could could be Foreigner without Lou Graham singing. But I, I will say, Kelly Hansen has, has you know, he, he hasn't let anybody down as far as Foreigner goes. I can remember back in the day, I can remember buying, and I don't know why I even bought it, uh, but buying hurricane cd and uh just playing the heck out of that that was one of the one of the great cds and people i was like who is hurricane i was like you guys gotta listen to these guys this guy can freaking sing and uh yeah i, I just think i'm just a big kelly hansen fan and to see them remake i want to know what love is and do it for the charity they did it for that was just a class act by foreigner Oh, it, it absolutely was. So, you know, good on Foreigner, good on Kelly Hansen, and I'm just glad that it's still going on. They're, they're great live. I mean, they're just fantastic live. And they're doing a few more shows uh, coming up in the September, early October with Lou Graham and the Double Vision lineup. So right. I can't wait. Right. Okay. Speaking of reunions, you think there's going to – I know Sebastian has has invited all the Skid Row guys to come back for this – He's going to do the first Skid Row album and in its entirety on tour. Uh, I did see, I think, one guy said, I'll be there. You think we're going to see a Skid Row reunion? Uh, sorry. Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I think there's way too much animus in the air for, for that to ever happen. Uh, I know Rob Afuso has said that, yeah. you know, count him in. Um. And I'm, I'm sure that Rob will probably come out and play a couple of tunes here and there. I don't think he's going to join uh, Rob, ha not Rob, um, well, uh, what's his name, uh, Sebastian, sorry, uh, has his, his band that he's been touring with, and I don't think he's just going to fire the drummer all of a sudden. Right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that would be fair, but uh, I do think Rob will probably come in and sit in at a New York date or at a Syracuse date or at a whatever date where, where they might be. But uh, I don't see the other guys. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe potentially Scotty Hill could be convinced if he's in the right city at the right time. I just don't see any anybody else wanting to do it. Right. And it, it, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, they, they, they have left, uh, I'm assuming, a lot of money on the table by not doing it. But, you know, at the end of the day... Um, Skid Row really wasn't a North American arena act, so if you're going to get the lawyers involved and sign a contract and, and put together a reunion tour, and then you're playing, you know, 1,500 seaters, is it really worth it? Yes, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I love the fact that Skid Row would get back together. I think it's a great tour. I love the music. I love the band. I'm not being disparaging at all. But those of you who are calling for a reunion, do, do you really think it's going to be playing Madison Square Garden? No. And and if if we're objective about it, I think the answer is no. It'll probably do you know the, the Best Buy or um, you know the Best Buy, which is, I think is closed anyway. You know, up here we have one called the M Telus, which is two thousand people. Do you really set out on a reunion tour to play to, to, to fifteen hundred? You know. <laughs> No. I'm not really sure it's worth it. Yeah, I, so, I agree. So, 
yeah, you know, when, when you're talking a reunion tour of KISS and you go from playing, uh, you know, a civic center of 7,000 to playing Madison Square Garden, you go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. When um, you, you think of any other band doing a reunion tour and they, they, they step it up, you go, right, makes sense. But when you're going from a club act to being a club act, well, not really sure it's worth it. Yeah, that's true. All right, I have taken up so much of your time, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I could talk to you all night about this stuff. I love talking music, and I love talking sports, but, you know, like I said, guys, this is the expert on rock music right here. If I if I have any questions, I go to him. Uh, and if you want to check out Mr. Von talk, all right, let's talk about your podcast. Where can they find your podcast at? Okay, so let, let's let's go through this wonderful list. Um, <laughs> Rock Talk by uh, Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon is hosted on uh, Omni, which is one of the uh, providers, and of course, it's fed to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeart. So if you go to iHeart Radio uh, and you look at there, or you get the app on the phone. Uh, you just type in Rock Talk with Mr. Fawn, Stitcher, TuneIn, and yes, I, I uh, have, now that I'm completely independent, I've been throwing up all the episodes on YouTube, so if you can't catch it on a spot, on a um, uh, podcast provider, you can certainly go to YouTube, you just type in Rock Talk with Mr. Fawn, the page will come up, and you'll hear the exact same show, I don't edit versions for different outlets or different platforms the show is the show is the show and you know folks uh, this week i've had billy duffy of the cult i've had um cory glover of living color i've had jeff tate of, of formerly of queens right i've had melissa etheridge you know and that that's another thing that if, if you check out the show it's not just uh here's warren here's poison here's warren here's poison here's pretty boy floyd I do sometimes step out of the box. I've been doing a lot of songwriters. Desmond Child, who wrote Living on a Prayer, I've had on recently. Jim Valance, who wrote Summer of 69, I've had on recently. Uh, Holly Knight, who wrote a whole bunch of songs with uh, Kiss and others, I've had on recently. Even last year, I had on Boy George. And I really don't care if fans uh, complain about uh, guests or what. I love having a chance to talk to all these different people. I've had Simple Minds on, and I've had Cindy Lauper on. Uh, like I said, this week, Melissa Etheridge. So if you like a, a wide palette of music, do check out the show. I think you'll find something for you in there at some point, and, you know, I, I think you'll dig it. Yeah, um, I, I can yeah. honestly say, you know, I, and just looking every week at who you've had on it, I've not seen a, a or listened to a bad show yet. There's, you know... Uh, I, I listen to all sorts of things. I'm not just hair bands. Like I like Brian Adams. I love Brian Adams uh, and uh, all his songs from the '80s and even now uh, his, his his latest release. I, I like Brian Adams. You know, I don't have a problem with pop rock. I don't have a problem with hard rock. You know, some of the some of the dark dark metal rock I I don't listen to. But you know, it yeah, I'm not a dark metal guy. To each his own, but, but you know the guys that this guy has that Mitch Lat has on his show. Uh, I can promise you, I find out something I didn't know every time I listen to to one of your interviews, and that's and that's what I look for in an interview too. When I interview somebody, if they tell me something I didn't know, I'm like, wow, that that really made that interview worthwhile. It really did, and I'll tell you something. Um, just real quick, you can also check out the uh, the Facebook page, which is uh, facebook.com forward slash rock talk Mitch Lafon, L-A-F-O-N. But the, the, the important thing is, the way I look at it is, especially uh, some of us older folks, when we were growing up watching Much Music in Canada or MTV, we didn't have remotes like we had back then. You actually had to stand up and go change the channel. <laughs> or you had a, you know, so a lot of us, we would, or at least I, I know in my experience, I would tune into much music, and then if there was a band I didn't like, I just left it on and figured, okay, well, in three minutes, so hopefully they'll play something I like. And so that's why I've had a chance to hear songs from, from Culture Club and hear songs from Simple Minds and hear songs from, and then as you got older, you go, hey, you know what? Don't you forget about me. It's a pretty damn good song. I didn't like it back in high school, but... It's pretty good. So, and that's why, 
Yeah, it's pretty good. So that, that's why I, I have that wide variety of guests, because I think a lot of us had the same experience. And yes, we didn't run out and buy new Duran Duran albums necessarily, but, you know, 30 years later, if you're interviewing the guy from Duran Duran, I think you can sit there and go, yeah, okay, well, let me see what this guy's been up to, sure. You know, and, and, and listen, I've also had Paul Stanley on recently. I've had Benny Vincent on recently. I've had Gene Simmons on recently. Um, uh, speaking of Brian Adams, I was talking to his drummer, Mickey Curry, just yesterday. On uh, July 2nd, we are going to do an interview together, which I will have out, I would imagine, a week or two later. So sometime in July, in July there'll be an interview with Brian's drummer, and people go, oh, Brian's drummer. Let's not forget Brian's drummer was Hall & Oates' drummer right. for a long time. Hall uh, & Sonic. I love Hall & Yeah, uh, and The Cult. You know, The Cult have an album out called Sonic Temple, uh, celebrating 30 years this year. It came out in 1989. Well, guess who played on Sonic Temple? It's Mickey Curry. So, yes, he's Brian Adams' drummer, but he's played on Cuts Like a Knife. He's played on Sonic Temple. He's played on the Hall & Oates stuff. So you can listen to that interview and not just be, oh, it's one color. He, he's painting just uh, in blue. No, no, no. He, he's done all these other bands, hard rock bands and, and, and pop bands. And you'll see. It, it'll be a fun interview. And, and so, you know, just just put in Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon in, in your Google or whatever and choose whatever platform you want from Stitcher to Apple to Spotify. I'm on Spotify as well. Easy to find everywhere. And uh, at Mitch LaFon, uh, all uh, in lowercase letters on the Twitter, at Mitch underscore LaFon on uh, Instagram. And, uh, you know, easy to find, happy to talk to people. People send me emails and tweets and instant messages all the time, and I answer every single one, and I answer them all personally. I don't have a staff of, of, of writers, and it's not my daughter. It's, it's, it's me. Yeah, I can so, also, uh, I can also say I haven't sent you a message yet that you haven't answered back. So, uh, it, it and it was pretty. You know, the first time I sent one, I said, "Well, you know, he may not answer back." But it wasn't long that you answered back, and ever since then, it's been like I said, "Let me ask him what he thinks about this." And you pretty much every time it, it sometimes it takes a little while. And I know you're a busy man, but you always answer back. Uh, but you know, you talk I do. You know, the, the problem, the problem with, with some of the, uh, the messages is on Facebook. That one really sort of bugs me just because the way their mailbox is organized, the, the, they just stack up. So if you get 15 messages in a day, you might not see them all. That, that 15th one is, is, is down at the bottom. And then if I reply, I don't know if you ever noticed, but if you reply to Facebook, it puts that message back on top. Right, because now yeah. you've replied to it, so it it jams the other ones even further down. I mean, I've I've had some sometimes where uh, I'll meet somebody and they'll say, "Hey, man, you didn't answer my message." I'll go, "You never fucking said." And then I'll scroll through the Facebook and oh, I'll yeah, say, "Oh, yeah. look at that a month ago." <laughs> so so yeah, Facebook is is really awful for that. Honestly, um, on Twitter, if you if you go to the Twitter and send me a direct message, which I've opened up for everybody, that's very easy to see. Instagram, honestly, I don't check those messages very often just because I'm, I'm, I'm not really an Instagram kind of dude. Right. But, uh, but yeah, you know, if you hit me up on Facebook, if it does take more than a week, it's usually because I've had a lot come in. Right. And it just got, because they really need to redesign the mailbox to look more like, like Gmail or something because it, it just doesn't work in that little sort of side panel-y view that you get. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the, the drummer playing for all these different guys. That's that's one thing I miss about CDs, cassettes, and, and albums. You look, the liner notes were so important to me. And, you know, I miss the days where you could go out and buy a CD or a cassette. Because I would, I mean, like I said, when I got one, that would be the first thing I'd do. I'd put it on and I'd start reading the liner notes. And you find out more stuff about that. But, you know, guys that played in there, background singers and stuff like that. But, uh. Yeah, I, I just miss the days of records and tapes and CDs, but yeah, it, it looks like it's a dead, dead thing now. I've still got, I still collect my Kiss vinyl, and I've got, believe it or not, and I have one, one uh, Bay City Rollers, uh, <laughs> Bay City Rollers album. I was a big Bay City Rollers fan back then. 
Well, who wasn't, right? I oh, mean, yeah. Um, uh, what, uh, what was that song? Uh, Saturday Night or something? Saturday Night. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y <laughs> Night. Yeah. 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 Love, love to make yeah, it I, but, I know my stuff. I, I, I actually almost set up an interview with them last year. They, um, now, that would be cool. One of the original... Yeah, one of the original members was was setting stuff up, and, and it just came to me at a time where I had like too many done, and I was just like, okay, I can't really justify this, but I, I wish I had done it. But that's, I will do that on on the show. I, I I will pick people that I just think are cool, just because I think they're cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, there you go. All right. So, well, there we go. Look, we got it all. Yeah. I appreciate this so much. It has been great. Like I said, I could talk to you all night about this stuff. I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much, guys. Check out check out Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Check him out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And get a Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon shirt. I've got mine ordered on the way. I'll be showing it on, on my Facebook page when I get it. Uh, Mr. Lafon, thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a great honor, a great pleasure to, to be able to talk to you tonight. Uh, yeah, I'll probably be aggravating you with some more questions later on, but uh, I appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Appreciate what you do because that's where I go to to find out my rock news right there is Mr. Lafon. Yeah, and thank you for thank you for the kind words. And, and yeah, enjoy the T-shirt, and, and you'll see when you get it. I'm not kidding. It is a high-quality shirt because it is made uh, by the same people that make you the Iron Maiden shirts and the Judas Priest shirts and all those other bands. It, it is it's the real deal, folks. Right. And uh, thank you for thank thank you for supporting. Um, no, no doubt. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I'll 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 be there as long as I can. I'll be I'll be supporting you, and I'll, I'll be checking out Rock Talk with Mr. Fine every week. Awesome. Thank you, sir. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Mr. Savon. Guys, Mr. Savon, that's the final score.